Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to today's Bible Questions podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm one of your co-hosts. With me today is our other regular co-host, Brian. How are you doing today, Brian? Hey, doing great, Jeff. Thanks. Today we have, as a special guest, our preacher, uh, Alan Hitchin, who has been going through a series of podcasts on a very special passage uh, in the New Testament. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Did you, would you like to give our audience kind of just a really, really quick uh, overview uh, before we actually get into today's uh, latest word that you want to focus on? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Second um, Peter chapter 1 is one of my favorite passages in the scriptures because it basically summarizes the entire gospel responsibilities that are our part. And so it gives me direction. I know what God has done for me. He's given me the means through the gospel and the motivation through the promises. And to the, the goal, of course, is to become a partaker of the divine nature. And now here I am with this wonderful opportunity to add faith and virtue and knowledge and self-control and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. So I like to focus on those seven terms. I memorized them a long time ago. From time to time, I go through them and ask myself if I need to be working a little harder on one or another because the blessings are just so incredible. If I add these seven things to my faith and I'm working with them, then God promises that I will not be judged to be idle or unfruitful. I'm very aware of Jesus in John chapter 15 telling us that I'm the vine, you're the branches, and my Father is glorified if you bear much fruit. Well, if I add these seven things, if I'm working diligently to add these seven things to my faith, then I will be fruitful and God will be glorified. Not only that, but he also promises that we will be able to see clearly, that we will never stumble, and finally, that our entrance into the eternal kingdom will be richly supplied. So, as I say, this passage just puts so much emphasis on these seven qualities and gives us the direction. And then, of course, Peter ends this by telling us that I want you to remember this after I depart. And, of course, he left long ago, but I want to remember this, and I want to help other people remember this, because it is just a, a vital part of our everyday walk as a Christian. In our second episode, Alan, in our last episode, you spent uh, time talking about this idea of virtue and how, for instance, that it means, you know, kind of in general, moral excellence. And so... You know, that concept might have been new to some of those who are uh, listening to this. And so could you also give us just kind of a brief summary of what you talked about regarding virtue? Sure. Yes, that uh, is a critical element before we even get to knowledge today is to remember that motivation is everything. If God asks me to do six things, and I'm lazy or lackadaisical or I'm not intense or I'm not motivated, then that's going to keep me from becoming what I ought to be. So motivation is the, uh, I guess I could you could say the starting of the engine. Motivation, virtue is uh, 
selling all that we have. You remember Jesus saying that uh, when you find a treasure in a field, you sell everything else to buy the field. And so virtue is that desire to, to the realization that we've got something in our hands here that is so important, so much more important than anything else in our life. And so we're going to be excited about it. We're going to be intense about it. We're going to be zealous. We're going to have a, a, a great effort. And that's really the heart of virtue. And there's several verses that we could, we could refer to that summarize virtue. Seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness uh, is virtue. When Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's also virtue. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that we should run in such a way so that we can win. So he brings it down to Olympic contenders. And he explains that the motivation that keeps them every day sacrificing is virtue. And then forgetting what lies behind and stretching, stretching forward. That's virtue. Virtue means I'm never content where I am. I always want to go up the next step. I always, I'm always, what's next? What's more? Uh, is there anything else? Uh, how can I build on this? And so that's all part of this concept of virtue. And, and I would encourage the, 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 the listeners to go back and listen to that lesson because as I point out in the lesson, uh, the Greek words have a very specific meaning that it's really difficult to translate into other languages. And so unless we go back and fully understand the word Paul used, uh, it's pretty tough to add something if you don't have a clear picture of what it is. And so virtue is, a, is a, an absolute first step before we move into any of the other things God has asked us to do. Yeah, appreciate that overview. And as well as drilling into virtue. And again, like Alan, I would encourage our listeners to go back and listen to the previous podcast because it is a fairly meaty subject. So tonight we're going to shift gears on to the next term. Uh, and it is about knowledge, which, you know, on the surface sounds maybe simplistic, but there's a lot more to it than just that. So, Alan, would you like to get us started? Sure. Yeah, I would love to do that. Uh you know, if we if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we carefully look at verse 17, uh, Brian, would you like to read that for us tonight, please? Sure. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this verse covers... It's just, it's a global verse. It, it covers everything. When I come in to the Lord, when I'm baptized into Christ and enter into Christ, that's what Paul said in uh, Galatians 3, 27 through 29. He says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And so we now become a new creation. Uh, baptism is an amazing ordinance that is is likened to the new birth and likened to getting on the ark in first peter chapter uh chapter three and so when we enter this new relationship with the lord everything becomes new old things pass away and and so now i have a responsibility to relearn everything uh, as if i don't know it and so we we go back to the idea of if 
I'm going to a place I've never been before, then I, I need to have a map and I need to look at the map. And there's no shame in saying, uh, this is a new place. Uh, I, I, I need to learn how to uh, find my way there. If I'm using a brand new product that I've never used before, I like to look at the owner's manual and try to understand because some of them are complicated. And, you know, there's there's no pride. There's no sense of, well, I, I need to act like I know these things. And so when we, I, the idea here is set forth by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, Jeff, if you would please read that for us. Sure. Uh, Romans chapter 12. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this is one of those classic, we don't know what we don't know. In other words, I don't know if my practice is of this world or whether my practice is part of being transformed. And so I have to go to the will of God and I have to basically relearn everything. I have to relearn what God says about prayer and relearn what God says about worship and and relearn how my relationship with my with my husband or wife and how I should be a different uh, a parent. Now God has plans on and guidance on how to be a parent. So it opens up a brand new vista. Everything's new. We old things are are supposed to pass away, but they're not going to if we don't add this if if we don't add this knowledge. If we don't continually, it's like going back to school. Uh, it's like uh, an individual who is in a uh, an apprentice program learning how to be in a trade and so christianity is a very complicated branch of learning because god is revealing to us the eternal nature of uh, his relationship to us and we've got a whole new life to learn how to live a life that's been lived in heaven for all eternity and which we fell from and which we now have this opportunity to come back to. So we need to appreciate that we have to, we can't assume that we know how to do anything the way God wants it to be done, because now everything's new, and I've got to go back to the scriptures to find out exactly what it is that, uh, that I need to learn. So, you know, Alan, there are some passages uh, in the Bible that talk about the new birth of baptism and how the effects of the new birth are extended, you know, once we are baptized. And these passages teach us that God wants us to see ourselves as children as far as understanding and, and what we need to learn. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think that's a critical point, and it's, it's a humbling point. And so uh, let's, let's turn over, Brian, since you're, you're, you just finished commenting. Why don't you go ahead and read uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 2. Here it says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. As Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He has to be born of water and the Spirit. And of course, the water is baptism. And the Holy Spirit is uh, the one who's instructing us through the scriptures to, to be baptized. And once we come up out of the water of baptism, we are a newborn babe. 
And Hebrews 5 talks about the milk of the word also and how those who are mature can eat meat, but those who are babes, they have to drink the milk. And here, Peter emphasizes, we are like newborn babes. And we need to have the humility to recognize that uh, it's not wrong to say, I don't know. It's not wrong to realize and understand that uh, we're an empty cup. If, if we're already full, then every time we heard, hear a lesson, well, I already know that. Well, how do you know it? Well, I know it because look, look at what Peter says in 1 Peter uh, 1 and verse 18. Jeff, would you read that for us, please? Sure. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. And then he goes on to you know complete the sentence. Right. And so we have received from our parents, and sadly, even if our parents are Christian, we can't always know for sure how much of their conduct is still influenced by the traditions that have been handed down from men. And so we have been redeemed from that aimless conduct. And now as newborn babes, we need to desire the milk of the word so we can grow. And so I need to look at myself as a baby. It's not hard to do. It's, 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 it's humbling. It, it is humility. And God uh, gives more grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And so as a, as a Christian, I have a book that is a roadmap. And we'll see this verse a little bit later, but Je- Jeremiah says, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walks to direct his steps. And One of the songs that we like to sing is, I dare not try to take one step alone. And so uh, the scriptures are my roadmap. They, as as Jesus said in Matthew 7, the way that leads to life is straightened and narrow and few are they that find it. And so we have this path that we're walking on. And so I take a step and I look at the scriptures and I take a step and I look at the scriptures and I'm a newborn babe and I'm longing to know more and to do better. And of course, Paul emphasizes something. Paul tells us that only the scriptures have the true realities. Uh, What we learn in this world, what we learn in this life are all temporary. We have an eternal home and an eternal God and an eternal lifestyle that we need to learn. And the further along we get in this life, the better we can be. And Paul kind of summarizes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would one of you guys like to read that, please? Uh, Yeah, I can read that. Here it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Of course, this is the conundrum or the paradox. How can you see what you can't see? The things which are not seen are eternal. Well, Paul's going to go on in chapter 5 and say, we walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, the scriptures open the vista of heavenly things. And so the excitement, the intensity, the the virtue that that we've just talked about, when it's directed toward knowledge, uh, we are on a trajectory 
to go as high as we possibly can and to see as much as we can possibly see. And of course, the more you can see, and that's what Peter said, if you add these seven things to your faith, you will be able to see clearly. You won't be blind anymore. But when we first enter the Lord's kingdom, uh, there's a blindness. And, and there's nothing we can do about that. We were not raised by God. We do not know God's ways. Uh, and the scriptures contain that for us. And so the best thing for me to do is to distrust what I see and what I believe and how I view moral practices or doctrinal things until I have the opportunity to study the scriptures and to continue to grow in that knowledge. Yeah, when we first started this podcast, I tried to make the point that, you know, on the surface, you know, adding knowledge sounds like a very, you know, simplistic, uh, simple, easy thing to do. But I think as we've pointed out so far to our audience, you cannot just assume what you were taught by your parents is correct. You can't just assume what you heard growing up in church is correct. You just can't assume that what your preacher or pastor or rabbi or bishop or whatever says is true. What we've seen so far is that God wants us to investigate, to go back to the scriptures and find out what they really say and add that to our knowledge. You know, Alan, you, we found, you know, there are a lot of warnings in scriptures, you know, about, you know, error, you know, from, from different sources. Um, the, do we have anything within the scriptures themselves uh, from God that would give us any advice about how to properly use them for ourselves and not just rely on what people tell us or what, quote unquote, church tradition says? Yes, yes, there are. God strongly encourages us to do the, put forth the effort. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, be diligent. Now, the word diligence means basically virtue. It means exerting energy, putting forth your best foot, trying to do the very best you can. It's what the, what the ten-talent man did. As soon as the master left, he traded and made gain. He was diligent. He was putting forth the effort. And so when Jesus said, you need to be like people who are waiting for their master's arrival and working hard to be prepared when he comes. And so we need to be diligent to present ourselves approved to God. Well, God's approval is one of the most important things to me. I want God to be able to say to me on the judgment day, and I'm sure all of our listeners do too, that uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And so uh, approved to God is something we all want. And what's God want us to do? He wants us to not be a worker who needs to be ashamed, but rightly divide or rightly interpret or literally cut a straight line with the word of truth. So word of truth gives me a pattern and I start cutting my body, my life, my, my heart and soul to fit that pattern. And like Jesus said, sometimes you have to cut off your hand or cut off or, or take out your eye or cut off your foot in order to rightly divide the word of truth, in order to cut a straight line. We have to be ready to make any sacrifices. He also said uh, that a man's enemies are going to be in his own household because as we take a stand on the scriptures, some people are not going to be happy with that. And 
So we need to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. And yet God is very clear that his word is very different than any other book that we're dealing with. And so, Brian, would you like to read 2 Timothy 3? This is not too far past this passage we just read. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is Genesis through Malachi and Matthew through Revelation. That's all scripture. And of course, we break down the scriptures into Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, And of course, we don't break it down. God does. He talks about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And he tells us about the Old Testament in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, that whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. So we need to learn our history. Abraham becomes our father when we're baptized into Christ. And the Jewish nation becomes our nation. And the things in the scriptures are our history. And they are all part of the great cloud of witnesses that the Hebrew writer talks about in chapter 12 that we need to listen to. Just like Abel is still speaking today in Hebrews 11, uh, we understand so is Abraham, and so is Daniel, and so is Job. And we need to learn those Old Testament Bible characters and those Old Testament teachings because all scripture has been given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. And we can learn a lot when Nadab and Abihu are killed because they offered a fire that God didn't ask them to bring. It it didn't say he forbid them to bring it. It said he didn't ask them to bring it. And when they were put to death, well, I learned something about doctrine there. And I learned something about reproof there. And so all scripture, and of course, then we come to the New Testament. And of course, that's our new covenant. And there again, the gospel is profitable. It's all inspired from Matthew to Revelation. There's not a single word in there, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So the Holy Spirit puts the truth into the minds of the apostles. Then as they're preaching it and teaching it and writing it, he gives them the words so that they don't make any mistakes. And so the word of God is very profitable. And as I gain knowledge and I gain the ability to reprove and to correct and to instruct and I understand doctrine, then I become complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this adding knowledge to our faith brings rich dividends. It it brings tremendous opportunities to see clearly and to understand the truth and to be able to practice the truth and not be cheated out of our prize, as Paul said, by by man with a voluntary humility. And so we need to have this clear vision and this clear sight. You know, the Bible teaches us a key principle in that, you know, there is danger we all face until we've added this spiritual knowledge that you're talking about. Uh, So, Alan, what does God have to say about this danger? Well, sadly, uh, the Old Testament is filled with terrible, sad examples of his people when they don't have knowledge. Uh, 
Jeff, I'd like you to read Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 so that we can discuss this a little more. Sure. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. And as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. We still have this today. There are people in many different denominations who have forgotten the law. What they're teaching is from human wisdom. It is not what the scriptures teach. For example, the scriptures teach that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. But many denominations have accepted evolution that somehow God did this in uh, many, many, many thousands of years. Millions of years is what science says. Well, we reject that. God says, I did it in six days and I rested on the seventh. And, uh, and, and also, the scriptures give us miracles. They give us wonderful events. Some people call those myths. And so they talk about the myth of the creation, the myth of the flood. They talk about the miracles of Jesus being uh, just allegories or examples, but not true. Well, we're going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. If we don't accept everything in the scriptures as absolute truth, Jesus said in John chapter uh, 8, verse 31, 32, 33, uh, that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So I have to respect. Jesus sent his apostles. He said in Matthew 28, All authority has been given to me. You go and teach them all that I have commanded you. And so from Matthew to Revelation, we have the commands of Jesus. Paul also said in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, uh, If you think you're spiritual, or you think you have inspiration and you're a prophet, you better or you must acknowledge that my writings are the commandments of the Lord. And so if I set aside what Paul says about women, or if I set aside what Paul says about moral issues, then my thinking is skewed. And I'm, I'm going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. The knowledge of the scriptures is true knowledge. When I read something in the scriptures that doesn't make sense to me, the problem is me not the scriptures. And I have to change that because there is a grave danger. If we don't have knowledge, there's a, a grave danger that we can be deceived and we can be destroyed. Uh, the people that Hosea was writing to, God had had enough. He was going to punish them. He was going to destroy the 10 tribes. He was going to take them into captivity. And here he explains why, because of their lack of knowledge. Jesus does the same thing in Revelation chapter 2 when he says uh, that if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your candlestick. So he's talking to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 in the first couple of verses, and he says, I want you to know that you have left your first love. And because you have left your first love, I'm going to remove your candlestick if, you're not, if you don't repent. So learning, having virtue, having knowledge, we will never lose our first love if we can do that. You know, Alan, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about just the whole concept of, you know, becoming a babe or having to go back to school. And I suspect, 
know, some of our listeners may be thinking, you know, going back to school, starting all over again, you know, at least, at least from a public school, you know, perspective, they may have been, you know, some subjects that they liked, some subjects they didn't like, you know, the concept of going to school might on the surface appear to be somewhat uh, uh, burdensome or distasteful, you know, especially if you've already, you know, grown up and graduated from, you know, school in general. And yet at the same time, some people in our audience may, you know, be professing a, you know, belief in God or a faith in Jesus. Do you have any scriptures that might connect the two concepts? One of, you know, having faith or belief or trust and needing to have knowledge or needing to go back to school and open your Bible and not just read it, but actually dig in and study it in detail? Yes. One of my favorite verses that I quote all the time is Proverbs chapter three, verses five through eight. And I would recommend that all of you who are listening just memorize this verse. Memorize this verse so you can quote it in your own heart because it gives us a light and a guidance that God is so interested in seeing. And so, Brian, would you like to read that verse, Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8? You bet. So it says here, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, this passage, as I say, it's a foundation passage. It's a fundamental passage. And it gives us some very critical information about knowledge. How can I trust in the Lord with all my heart if I'm not manifesting to him an intense desire to learn the scriptures. If I'm not reading my Bible on a daily basis, if I'm not searching the scriptures to find out what's true, uh, I'm, not sh- I'm not manifesting to my God the proper love and devotion and appreciation for everything he's done for me. He created me and he redeemed me through the obedience to the gospel and, and the same with many of you. And so what does he want now? Well, he wants my faith. He wants my trust. He wants me to lean on him. He wants me to look to him for guidance. He's my father, and he is my heavenly father. And I want to trust him with all my heart, and I want to skip or remove, because as Paul said, all things have become new. And we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen. And so we can't lean on our own understanding. Whenever I'm teaching a class, and somebody says, well, I think, I kind of hunker down because I think to myself, well, what's coming next? Is this what I think as guided by God? Or is this what I think as leaning on my own understanding? And of course, the only way you could know that is to know what the scriptures actually teach on something. If we don't know what the scriptures teach and we are leaning on some information, maybe we're lucky, Maybe we've gotten uh, fortunate and we, we actually know the will of the Lord, but it may be that we're just leaning on our own understanding. And so verse 6, uh, all in all your ways acknowledge him. So once again, I acknowledge him. In other words, I think what he wants me to think as a parent, as a worker, as a spouse, as a uh, neighbor. Well, I need to acknowledge him. What does God say about that? 
And what does God say about being a good parent or being a good husband and wife or, or being a good employee or being a good employer? What does God have to say? Am I acknowledge him? Is he directing my paths in those things? Like I said, the knowledge is kind of a global thing. We've inherited a vain manner of life. It's been handed down from our fathers. Like I said earlier, there's an eternal lifestyle that God has been living, and God created us to live it. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, let's make man in our image and after our likeness. And so we had God's love. We had God's mercy. We had God's righteousness and holiness and purity. But when Satan deceived Eve and she ate of that tree and her eyes, quote, were opened, well, what were they open to? Well, what they were open to was a whole new way of looking at things, which was wrong. And so, uh, verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Well, how do I find out what's evil? Well, I have to go back to the scriptures. And so, my heart needs to be burning. It needs to be excited. It needs to be an intensity. Uh, you know, we, we're up against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the whole armor of God, if you look at the whole armor of God, you will find that everything Paul says about the armor of God has to do with knowledge and faith. Uh, we uh, we put on various things, the preparation in the gospel and the shield of faith. And uh, these are all things that have to do with our knowledge of what we are supposed to be doing. And and again, it's a, it's a big task. I, I talked to a friend once years ago when I was a brand new Christian. And he said that being a Christian is like eating a sandwich. And you say, well, what is that? how does that make sense? Well, you can't cram the whole sandwich in your mouth and, and swallow it. You have to take it one bite at a time. And so as a Christian, I have to take one portion at a time. Master that, move on to the next. And then when we've been a Christian for five years or 10 years or 20 years, we look back and we say, I've climbed a long way and I'm really pleased. But like Paul said, I'm ready for the next level. I, I want to keep learning these things. And so we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our understanding. But the only way we can do that is if we gain knowledge, if we add this knowledge, if we give diligence to present ourselves to prove to God, not being ashamed because we know the truth and we're properly handling the truth. Yeah, I appreciate that point, Alan. It kind of goes back to the last study we had on virtue, you know, talking about those who desire to be the very best at whatever they do in life, those who have that moral excellence. And when you have that mindset, then you're certainly going to be well on your way to, to learning what God is teaching. You know, one other thing that uh, is interesting is in, in God's realm, you know, their life is perfect. You know, God has always existed. The realm in which he exists is perfect. And so, Alan, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how large the chasm is between the life that God lives and has always lived and the life that we need that we should desire to, you know, learn to be like him? Sure. You know, in Isaiah 55, God says, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's a humbling experience to realize 
that I can never really understand God or understand God's world and God's attitudes and God's emotions because mine and this world we live in have become so uh, perverted that there is a huge chasm. For example, in Genesis 6, the earth was filled with violence and wickedness and corruption, and God was grieved because that doesn't exist in heaven. And all of the things, you know, when God cursed the earth and he, he made the earth look the same way and, and make us uncomfortable in a physical realm as we should feel in the spiritual and emotional realm. I can't treat my wife properly if I don't understand the response, relationship. God says, I want you to treat your wife the way my son treated the church. He came to this earth. He died. He sacrificed. He worked. And so as a husband, God says, you love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So there's a huge chasm. As a husband, that is not my initial thought because I'm I'm focused on the vain manner of life. I want to be a father like my dad was a father. And I want to be a husband like my dad was a husband. Well, that may be a huge drop from what we actually are supposed to do. And there's a couple of scriptures that uh, they're short, but they're very powerful. And so I, I'd like for you guys to uh, go ahead and read them. Uh, the first one's in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And here we have the, the basic concept of orientation. You know, if I am taken out on a dark night with no stars and I'm spun around three or four times and somebody says, all right, now we're going to leave and you're going to find your way home. Well. Uh, there's no way. There's there's nothing inside of me to gain the proper direction. I have to be able to look at the sun, or I have to be able to look at the stars, and I have to get reoriented. I have to figure out which way is north, which way is south, which way is east and west. And the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. Uh, it is not in us to figure out where to walk or how to walk. And so... I've got to, once again, I dare not try to take one step alone. It's not in me. The vain manner of life that came down from my fathers, that's what's in me. And we're fortunate because many uh, of the things that, that are done in the world today are based on Scripture. And so there are some scriptural things. We don't have to change everything when we become a Christian, but we just don't know which, which ones we need to change and which ones we don't. And there's no way for me to know it unless I go to the scriptures. And God warns of that in, in, in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. So, uh, Jeff, would you like to read that for us tonight, please? Sure. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So the proverbist wants us to understand that without knowledge, I can pick a way. Like, like Jeremiah said, it's not in himself. I may be walking toward a cliff because it's not in me to direct my own steps. And I may be walking right into eternal condemnation because I haven't found the truth because I'm not searching. So there is a way. 
We, we see many people today who think that their way is right, and yet they can't all be right because everybody's going in totally different directions. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And Jesus left a path for us to walk. Uh, and he said, uh, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But those who enter the narrow gate, uh, then there's a narrow, uh, excuse me, a straightened or difficult path, and few are they that find it. Well, uh, the scriptures are a roadmap. And I don't want to think this is the right way. I've gotten lost before. And I've had to go to the map because there's no way that you're going to be able to find the way if you get lost without having a map that shows you exactly how to get where you need to go. And uh, again, as Jesus said, the gate and the way are very difficult and only a few find it. And we've already looked at this, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So we just have scripture after scripture. The way of man is not in himself. It's not in man to direct his steps. There's a way that seems right, but the way it leads to the end of death and the, the way that leads to life is difficult and only a few are going to find it because they're not going to look at the scriptures enough times to make sure that they stay on the path. Uh, the path that leads to life has lots of twists, lots of turns, and we're going to get off the track if we don't gain knowledge. And as God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Yeah, I appreciate some of the verses that you mentioned, specifically those that are related to walk. I mean, some people in our audience might think, okay, I need to have some knowledge. You know, yes, I need to know I'm a sinner. I need to know God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. You know, I know I can be forgiven, you know, some basic knowledge. But as you've been kind of pointing out throughout the entire podcast, the knowledge that the scripture is talking about us needing go, that knowledge goes much, much deeper than those few very simple things to encompass, quote unquote, you know, our entire life, which kind of leads me to sort of my next question that says, okay, this, this sounds like this is not going to be an easy thing to do. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take perhaps years of studying. You know, there may be a financial investment in terms of, you know, the materials that you need to get to, to study. So all this effort, you know, that we're putting into this gaining this knowledge are there any scriptures that kind of tie this effort to how god views us or views uh, our walk of life or views our character sure you know let me begin with a parable or an illustration we most of us started school at five years old and we had to learn how to read how to write we had to learn math and science we had to learn history and geography and then of course as we reached into uh, either uh, secondary school or high school depending on whether you're in western hemisphere or somewhere else but uh, the responsibilities we just keep adding you know 12 years of school and then we're just properly ready to begin our career in which, once again, we go back and we have to learn exactly how our boss wants things done and what product that he wants. And none of us think of that as being too much 
or being unfair, it's a challenge. It's especially those with virtue. I'm going to put forth my best efforts to learn as much as I can. Well, now I've become a Christian and I have to do the same thing. And as Hebrews says in chapter 5, when by reason of time you ought to be teachers, you have some need that someone teach you again. So the clock is ticking. Once we become a Christian, God has an expectation of at what point we can start helping him by teaching other people. Now, this isn't talking about Bible teachers. This is just talking about people who can teach other people how to pray or who can teach other people how to worship. How can they teach it? Well, they know how to do it. They've been doing it. You know, it's just like when uh, a parent has a sixth grader and a fourth grader. And the fourth grader has a question, and so the dad can say to the sixth grader, look, I want you to teach them about that. And if the sixth grader says, well, I don't know how to do it, well, then we need to go back to the drawing board because he should know how to do it if he's in the sixth grade. Anything in the fourth grade, he should have already mastered. Well, that's what I want to do and you want to do. God needs our help. God needs, in the great house, there are vessels for honor and vessels for dishonor. And if we purge ourselves, we can be a vessel unto honor and we can be useful to the master and prepared for every good work. But it takes effort, it takes toil, and it takes never settling for second best. And it also takes, uh, I'm not going to preach anything without a verse. And I'm not going to preach on that verse without everyone in the audience also being able to look at the verse. And I I hope that's what you've been doing as we go through all these podcasts is don't accept our word. Don't accept that it comes from us. Look at the scriptures and see if what we are saying is actually true. And that brings us to one of the most fascinating passages in Acts where God talks about noble-minded or fair-minded people. And so let's read Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. Uh, Here it says, these were more fair-minded, talking about the Bereans, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed. And that's our mandate. That's our mandate as as we put forth these podcasts is that we give diligence to properly divide or properly handle the word of truth. And you, as the hearers, if you want to be more fair-minded, then you need to receive the word. Not my word or Jeff's word or Brian's word, but the word of God. We need to receive the word of God with all readiness. And so I need to be prepared to change the way I look at something today. Not tomorrow, not next week. If I'm listening to the podcast and I hear something I've never heard before and I go to the scriptures to see whether it's true or not, I write down the verse and after the podcast is over, I go get my Bible and I study it and I think about it. And if uh, I see that a change needs to be made, then I'm going to receive that word with all readiness, search the scriptures, and then I'm going to believe. And I'm going to change. I'm going to repent, which means change my mind. And repentance is a critical element in all knowledge. Because the moment that I see that I'm walking the wrong path, 
or the moment that I see that I believe something or I'm practicing something that God doesn't want me to do. Well, I need to change my mind. So the first thing I do, I repent. The second thing I do, according to 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you say, well, why is it a sin? Well, the word sin means to miss the target, to miss the bullseye. I've missed the target. I'm off track. Uh, I'm not the husband I should be or the wife I should be. I'm not the mother or father I should be. I'm not the worker I should be. I'm not the Christian. I'm not the morally minded person. And so I'm searching the scriptures. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm listening to sermons, trying to make sure that what I'm doing is absolutely what God wants me to be doing. And so when Peter says, add to your faith virtue, he's saying Add to your faith the zeal, the determination, the desire to never get weary, to never get tired. Paul talks about weariness, and he says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. Well, diligence keeps me from ever getting tired or ever getting weary. There's always something new, and I'm never going to be overwhelmed. I take it like that sandwich, one bite at a time. And so we have this responsibility to add this virtue, and then after we add the virtue, well, what good is virtue without knowledge? I'm all excited. I really want to do what God, but I don't know what to do yet. Well, what's what's my first responsibility? Learn the scriptures. Learn the Old Testament. Learn the New Testament. Listen, study, grow, develop, and then do what these Bereans did. They These noble, fair-minded Bereans who received the word with all readiness, with all virtue, with all diligence and search the scriptures themselves every day to find out whether these things were so. Because sometimes when we hear something, we hear one verse, and a preacher says, this is what this verse means. Well, you know, if I look at this other verse, well, wait a minute, this other verse modifies what this verse means. And so as I'm studying the scriptures, uh, maybe I find a verse that tells me Like Paul says in Ephesians 5, be angry, but don't sin. Oh, okay, it's okay to be angry. Well, James says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. So, yes, you could be angry, but for most of us, it's better to never get angry. And so we keep adding to the understanding of what the scriptures actually have put forth. And so as we wind down this information, I just want to encourage everyone to add virtue to their lives. And once they have the virtue, then learn exactly what God wants you to do with it. I want to be zealous. I want to be diligent. I want to work hard, but I don't want to be working in the devil's vineyard. I want to be working in the Lord's vineyard. And so we have this responsibility. You know, Alan, just one final thought for me on this particular point, and and I appreciate you really emphasizing the need for all of us to verify what we're taught is consistent with the scriptures. And it reminds me of Colossians chapter two and verse eight, where it says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. As we all know, there are so many teachers that have gone out into the world and are teaching their own philosophies, their own traditions, their own basic principles of the world. And the only way we're going to know if what they're teaching is consistent with God's word is, of course, by 
adding to this or adding knowledge, as you pointed out, and verifying uh, what they're saying with God's word. And that's exactly right. There's two water sources. There's the tainted water, and then there's the pure milk of the word. And I'd also like to encourage our listeners that the website is just filled with wonderful teachings on the truth. And as Jeff can point out, there's good ways to find these topics and learn the truth about them. Exactly. Yeah, at uh, biblequestions.org. From the homepage, uh, at least three main ways you can go. There's a menu item called Study Aids, which will give you links to a Bible reading plan, actually several Bible reading plans, as well as link to an online Bible. You don't even need to have your own physical Bible. You can actually go online uh, and study the scriptures that way. There's also Bible dictionaries and other reference aids to enable you to dig deeper into the scriptures. And all that's under the study aids menu item. Under the lessons menu item, uh, for people who want to kind of start somewhere, there's a online uh, series called Bible Basics uh, that, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Brian administers, where you can actually read the material, fill out the questions actually online, hit the submit button. Brian will get your answers. We'll kind of give you feedback and give you the link to the next lesson. There's also a couple other lessons in that section on how to actually study the Bible. And the third of the three in the topical section of the website under B, there's a good number of articles on uh, Bible study, you know, B for Bible study, including on, I think, a, a couple different series of uh, articles that, that you wrote on how to, you know, properly uh, interpret and understand the scriptures and, and really dig deeper. So lots of good material. That's BibleQuestions.org. So, Alan, as we wrap up this particular episode, can you give our listeners a preview of the next attribute that God encourages us to add to our faith? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, The next attribute is self-control. Because there's no point in learning the new way of doing things unless I have the ability to actually do them. the responsibility to manifest the ability to change. And it's painful. It's very painful. And uh, as I said, Jesus talks about cutting off your hand, plucking out your eye. And of course, that's not literal. He's speaking of the pain of self-control. He speaks of carrying a cross. He says, you need to get your own cross and deny yourself. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, putting to death the body and the deeds of the body is very, very painful. And so Peter says we need to add self-control. And so in our next podcast, we'll be talking about the means by which God has given us to gain that control and suffer whatever pain we have to suffer in order to be the man or the woman that God would like us to be. Thank you for that, Alan. So we encourage our listeners to tune into our next episode in this Adding to Your Faith series, where, as Alan mentioned, we will talk about self-control. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. 
Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at BibleQuestions.org.